1: Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. You're, maybe the Cubs just played better on the Pacific time zone, home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. I am Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs, why you can't watch Apple TV at your favorite local bar, and more at For bleed Cubby Blue. And as always, I am joined by Danny Rocket. How's it going, Danny?
0: Well, I'm feeling pretty good after that week of Cubs baseball. I mean, a little bit of a surprise that I'm feeling that good. West Coast road trips don't really go that well for us, but Cubs like playing on the road again. Maybe they just need to get Willie Nelson to get on the bus with them and sing them that song and just ride off into the sunset because uh, they're bad at home and good on the road. So I'll take it.
1: Yeah, Al had a piece up about that, and also looking at the fact that the Cubs have been better, I think, at night uh, this season than they have been during day games, which that's all bizarro Cubs territory for me. They're usually better during the day and better at home, and that is not the case this season, but wins are wins, and um, it was a nice uh, nice little three-game set against the Diamondbacks. The Cubs won two out of three, just like they did with the Padres, always good. To win four out of six on a West Coast road trip, so hard to complain.
0: Yeah, and I and I won't for once. (laughs) Well, I I will will complain a little. I'll complain about one
1: thing um, for Friday night's game, but it doesn't have anything to do with the baseball. It has to do with these MLB streaming deals. You know, I was working on a piece, and you and I both sort of noted this on Twitter. One of the benefits of living in the neighborhood is that you get to walk around Wrigley Field all the time and see what is going on, and so. You know, I saw that they had uprooted Mr. Cub from his traditional home, and I got kind of curious, started walking around to see what was going on there. And they've got all the statue bases lining the end of Gallagher way now, including one is set up for Fergie, which um, if you didn't know, that, that will be on Friday prior to the 1.20 120 start, the Cubs will unveil the Ferguson Jenkins statue. They've got a nice ceremony planned. Sounds like Pat Hughes is going to do some stuff there. So if you have time on Friday, be sure to head down to the ballpark. Uh, I think that all kicks off around 11.30. But anyway, so I, there was kind of a little bit of a mystery there, at least from my mind, because there's extra statue bases. There's two of them that don't have... Any writing on them or names and like I, I suppose the Cubs could just put Whatever they want there like Hall of Fame or Welcome to the Wrigley Hero walk Or I don't know what they're going to call it but those Could also be bases For future statues and so I Was working on a piece to see like, Hey who, who do we want these future statues To be mm. and as I'm walking around Taking those pictures The Cubs game on Apple TV Had started in Arizona And it's not on at Brick House not on at Lucky Door, not on across the street under all of those buildings at the Hotel Zachary. And I'm like, what is going on? They're all watching the NBA. They're all watching the NHL. The Lucky Door people were trying to find the Cubs game. They couldn't do it. Uh, It turns out that if you have a commercial bar setup type of cable deal, it is actually remarkably hard to get streaming services on your TV and so while like props to the places in the neighborhood that did it I saw Murphy's had the game on Um, I'm assuming Nisei found it even though they were cranky on Twitter about the fact that that was something they were going to have to do but it seems like MLB may have cut off their nose to spite their face here because sports bars are going to struggle to get all of these streaming games and sports bars are a huge place where people go watch baseball so it's just pathetic to see you know, I'm I'm here at the buildings that are owned by the Ricketts and the Cubs, and nobody has the game on.
0: Yeah, the the thing that also bothers me is because the whole th- way that they sold us specifically Marquee Network was now it'll all be in one place. There's no more searching around for WGN or ABC or any of that. It's just going to be here except for the ESPN games. Oh, and the Peacock games. Oh, and the YouTube games. Oh, and the Apple games. Like they're just carving it up yet. Once again, like only two years after they told us (laughs) they sold us the, the entire idea the other way. So it's, Annoying, and the broadcast wasn't great. It. I said it last night on the Sun Ranto show that although I enjoyed watching Cliff Floyd get everything wrong, that was entertaining. I love
1: Cliff Floyd. Cliff I do Floyd too. Is but, outstanding.
0: But it, 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 although I I liked seeing him, and I thought he did a good job, even when he was working with Marquis, because I, I don't know if that's where he got to start, but he's it was definitely there. But like these guys didn't have any particular narrative. I don't think I'd ever heard of them before. I felt like I was watching some college baseball game at 1130 on ESPN4. And it just was like, I don't know, it just felt like a non-thing to me. And and, and I quite frankly, I was bored by it. I was bored by this game, too, especially getting carved up by Zach Davies. Like, that's going to leave a bad taste in my mouth, too, about Apple TV. We're 0-1, and we got beat by last year's GOAT, Zach Davies. And I mean GOAT in a bad way, not a good one.
1: Dude, Zach, D- I sort of knew in my heart that the Cubs were going to struggle against Zach Davies uh-huh. the same way I knew that they were going to struggle against Jose Quintana. Like, it's just one of those things when you have a pitcher who has not been very good for you and all of a sudden you have to face them. It it, it seems like the Cubs, it doesn't even matter who's on the Cubs, like whichever iteration, whether it's the good Cubs or the scrubs, it, whoever it is, they are always going to struggle against that dude. And, and they did not disappoint against Mr. Davies. They just yeah, it's like could not square that up at all.
0: It's like when they face Quintana too. And luckily we're not, he pitched yesterday in the, in the no hitter. I know to. we're going to talk about, yeah. Yeah. Kit, Quintana, we struggled against him too, embarrassingly. <laughs> it just kills really? me well, every and- time.
1: Poor Drew Smiley, man. Like, he keeps going out there, fifth starter, gives up three runs, gives up four runs, and sorry, sorry, Drew Smiley, no wins for you. Throw five innings, give up three or four runs, you will never get a win for this Cubs team because they, they're just not going to get you any run support.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, I looked it up. It's like 2.333s forever uh, runs per game that the Cubs have given him, and that's just not going to be enough. So yeah, it's, it, there's always one, right? There's always one tough luck pitcher. Sometimes they're the ace of the staff and you can't get them a win somehow. Uh, so it's been Kyle Hendricks before in like years that he had ERAs in the twos and the Cubs just didn't score for him. So he'd have a losing record, you know, it, win and loss don't matter, but, uh, you know, it's just stinks for the guy that it happens to.
1: Yep. It totally does. Um, The only other note I really have from this game, and I can't remember if it happened this game or if they finally announced it on Saturday, but Nico Horner has gone to the IL with that ankle sprain. Thank you so much, whatever silly umpire he ran into. Like, dude, like, can can we not have huge parts of the offense get hurt by running into umpires? Like, get out of the way, Blue. Like, seriously. But so uh, we are living in the land of Jonathan Villar and Andrelton Simmons, uh, the, the land all of us wanted to be in. At the start of this year, let me tell you. But let's talk about some Cubs wins before we talk about Andrelton Simmons. Oh, my gosh, I can't even do this. Andrelton <laughs> Simmons and Jonathan Villar. Uh Second game was quite fun, actually. The Cubs had a late rally. Wilson had a great at-bat uh, to start it to get on base. And then they managed to pull ahead late. Can we also talk about Kyle Hendricks was so gritty in this game. And I loved it. He did not have quite the stuff that he had in San Diego when he came one out away from a complete game. Shut out. And he wasn't getting that first strike as much as he did in that San Diego game. But he also never lost it. He had an inning where he struggled, came back out, got another inning of work done. I mean, I just thought that this was a really gritty start from Kyle Hendricks.
0: Yeah, and it was helped along. uh, Both pitchers got helped along by uh, Ted Barrett who just had one of the worst games I've ever seen. Like, uh, you know, Kyle Hendricks. He, he was not just getting the corner. He was getting the corner of the opposing dugout. He was getting, I, I mean, he was getting the corner of the batter box. He, so was gallon and it, it was just kind of like a nod. It was a bad game for offense. I think in general, just because of that hitters didn't hitters didn't know what they were looking at, but, yeah. Kyle was giving up a lot of hard contact. Luckily it was finding gloves and he was giving up a lot of fly balls, which you worry about because he's supposed to be a ground ball pitcher and not. And, and when he does give up fly balls, have it be weak contact, especially in that ballpark where the f- uh, balls tend to fly around because of the thin air in Arizona. So, I feel like we got lucky in this one in some ways because Kyle didn't have his best stuff. I thought it could have gotten a lot worse. So I think gritty is a good way to characterize it because he worked through that with his new favorite bestie, Jan Gomes, who he obviously is having a bromance with a a pitching baseball bromance because they've now linked up on two good starts together. And I think Kyle really trusts him. Uh, So I'm going to give some of the credit to Jan because, because Kyle did Kyle gave the credit to Jan too. And Jan Gomes is the only reason that the Cubs even uh, won this game because he was, uh, it's the Gomes game. I think it's from from now on, if this game is in any way meaningful in the future, which I doubt it is, it's the Gomes game.
1: It's definitely not a meaningful game, but Gomes did take <laughs> that gallon deep and that was no small feat. Gallon has looked really good this year. That, put, that set the Cubs up quite nicely. Hat tip to Gomes for that. It was a real nice piece of hitting. And I mean, there's just not, a lot to complain about in this particular game. Props to the Cubs for for getting their runs late, for hanging in there, and then you know,
0: uh, tough with- pitcher too to beat Gallon, who he was dealing. I mean, this was a total pitchers' duel. Thank you, Mister Ted Barrett, for uh, almost the entire game, and the Cubs couldn't even break it open until the ninth when Gallon was gone. And luckily for the Cubs, uh, they don't have a very good bullpen. Their their bullpen their starters have been keeping him in the games and their bullpen has been losing for him but uh Arizona off to a surprise start and Gallon's one of the main reasons why to beat him I think is uh is no small feat.
1: Totally agree. Let's talk about this third game. It was Justin Steele's first 10k game of his career. He looked outstanding. He was mixing up his pitches a little bit differently than he normally does, uh, really looked great and got helped by some, well, first, first like kind of a defensive miscue and then some stellar defense from Seiya Suzuki, who misplayed a ball that turned into a triple, but then saved that run from scoring with a great diving catch. And you could sort of like, I don't know, I can't read Sayas' mind, but you could almost see the wheels in his head like, that run is not going to score, that's my run, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, he's not going to let it happen. And I, I definitely love that. The Cubs got a leadoff bomb from Rafael Ortega, who looks like he might be heating up a little bit as well. And honestly, it, I mean, this was just a great game. Sunday's game was awesome.
0: Yeah. Ortega also does a lot of things. He took that lead off. He took that uh, bases loaded walk two in the, in game two of this one, which I think that's what he was sent up there to do. Uh, Not just because he was one of the lefties off the bench to face a righty, but um, also because he's just got, he's got those skills. He can do a lot of different things for you. One of them is really, he's not the best right fielder or outfielder in the world. Like he's not, or well, he plays all three positions, but, but at at the bat, he'll give you a really I hate this kind of term, but for lack of a, another term, professional at bat. And I think what I mean by that is just he will take a lot of pitches. He sees a lot of pitches. He takes a lot of walks. He'll follow he'll follow him off. That's why he's up there at the leadoff spot uh so much. And for him to be able to also hit you a leadoff dong and all of a sudden you're one-nothing. I mean, he's got that pop in his bat too. So it's I like I like Ortega. I mean, he's a he's a good He's unfortunately a starter on this team, uh, on any other, on <laughs> I any know other what team, you mean. <laughs> yeah. On any other team, he's like a great fourth, fifth outfielder, a bat that you could throw in there, a good pinch hit off the bench, give you that at bat you need against, a uh, maybe a bullpen guy on the ropes when you want to turn it, when you kind of want to turn it around or force the lefty righty matchup thing to happen or something, whatever you want to do. He's a weapon cause he's got skills, but, um, Yeah, I I dig to say I'm not going to complain about him because he did great in this series. But uh, the one I will complain about in this game is and and really every game I've seen him in. And I know Rick Suckliff agrees with me because he said as much is uh, Vargas, Ildamaro Vargas. He can do some things out there, but it's the routine play that really eats him up. There's a lot of baseballs just like going slightly off of mitts uh, that are getting through or they, they knock him down. Everybody's like, oh, he knocked it down. I'm like, I don't care. Like I don't care that he knocked it down. He needs to get the ball. He needs to put it in his other hand and throw somebody out because there's a lot of plays that just aren't getting made. And because of it, I looked up our defensive efficiency ratio is just, just, I mean, it's going, it's going to hell right now. Yeah. It's like, it's just spiraling down. And so I get that add him to the, situation with, uh, Andrelton Simmons too, because I guess we'll be seeing both of them. Um, Andrelton Simmons came in as a, what a defensive replacement yesterday for Ildemaro Vargas, but Simmons, I mean, he's only up because I don't think he was ready because he was batting under a hundred and triple a.
1: Oh, I can't be ready. I mean, I, I, I think he was called up. That's a desperation move because Nico Horner needed to go on the injured list. And so now you've got Nico and Nick both on the IL, and the infield is wisdom Simmons and VR and Vargas and Schwindel. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> look, oh. Okay. Wait, you know, credit to Frank, the tank. He was sent to Iowa for like 20 minutes, took a middle seat <laughs> ride to San Diego and then started crushing the ball on the West coast. Like, please dear God. No, I do not want to go to Iowa. I don't think he's going to go to Iowa given where the injuries are right now and how hard he is hitting the ball. But you do love to see that type of a rebound from Frank, the tank that said he is still not a very good defensive first baseman.
0: No. And Rivas is better out there, but it's still after, after the amazing first baseman that we've seen in our lives, uh, wearing a Cubs uniform, it's just not up to snuff and uh, for Rivas or Frank, the tank, but yeah, he came up, he be played in every single game on this road trip and he I'm looking at it right now he had five hits with a double uh that was his only extra base hit he didn't take any walks uh and he did strike out a fair amount so it wasn't the best but he definitely came through when it mattered in the game yesterday when he poked that RBI single right over the first baseman's head and got the job done and that was kind of nice to see because he came out Remember he almost had the walk off Grand Slam, not or go ahead Grand Slam yep. in San Diego. Well, all he needed really in that moment was a single. And this time that's all he got. So but since coming back, he has raised his batting average from two oh two to two eighteen. Um he's uh raised his slugging from not that much, but from uh two two uh Let's see. What am I looking at? Two, uh, 298 to three Oh nine. That's not mu- that much. And his BP went up 10 points. So we'll take it, Frank, Frank, the tank back in the, back in the saddle again.
1: <laughs> yeah. Him, him and Patrick wisdom combined to put the team ahead, which was, which was quite fun. Got to love the, the wisdom double followed by Frank, the tank driving him in type of thing is how I, I thought that I was, that was gone. Account. I thought that was gone too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, another one of those Frank, the tank balls that we got u- accustomed to seeing flying into the crowd and it no it longer anymore. does. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's a bummer. Um, let's do some news and notes from around the league before we take a look ahead at this Cubs pirates series, uh, the reds. Okay. So it's not technically a no hitter because it was only eight innings. And there's like some rules about like what gets called a no hitter or whatever. We're going to call it a no hitter. The the Reds did not allow a hit uh, while they were playing the Pirates a- a- and they lost because a couple of things were going on in this game that I just find ridiculous. Number one. So this game was started by Hunter green, who is this prospect the Reds have, who has already had Tommy John surgery. Once kid throws the ball, like 102 miles per hour on the regular. He is a ridiculous, ridiculous pitcher. Uh, he's looking, he threw 118 pitches in this game. Which just seems like malpractice to me. Like I can't imagine that's a good idea. Um, additionally, we've got so so you got that going on. He walks it, two batters back to back in the eighth inning. Gets pulled out of the game. Art Warren comes in, walks a third batter, and then our pal Cabrian Hayes hits a fielder's choice, drives in the run, and, and that's it. There goes the no hitter. There, or there goes the there goes the there goes the win. Uh, but you still got the no hitter. So congratulations to the Reds who no hit the pirates and
0: lost. Didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what happens when you stick <laughs> things like that happen to you. And, uh, yeah, Hunter green. I do. I would like to see him pitch the, the Cubs are playing the Reds next week. And I was like, huh, maybe I can swing out there for a little, for a game or two, but he'd be one of the ones on their team that I'd like to see. Plus I got a pretty good chance of a Cubs win. If I go see him play the reds, I figure. So that's, that's uh, another reason to head out there, but um, yeah, good young pitcher. I agree with you that that's probably a little much to do on a young arm. And I tuned in as as soon as I saw it was a no hitter and he was throwing a lot of he wasn't throwing 102 anymore, I'll tell you that much. He was relying on his uh, b- uh, breaking stuff and his off-speed secondary pitches mostly, and it wasn't working because he was walking everybody. He lost his control. That's how they lost. So there's your malpractice, too. You lose the game because you were just let him walk two in a row. Like You should have just got him out of there, totally. known that it's a tie game, He's now relying on his breaking balls. It it must've been been like, well, let's see what we got. Let's see what, what we, how we can push him. But who knows? Like we'll see how he'll respond in his next start, which will be sometime later this week. They've got, I'm looking at it right now. They got Cleveland and Toronto on the road before coming home to face us. So he'll probably pitch. uh, Actually, we might not see him depending how they set up their rotation. They've got two off days in the week, but, um, you know, young arm like that, after already having Tommy John, I agree. That's, I mean, I, you your old timers would say make him do it. But if you're throwing a hundred and two,
1: I mean, that is that is like some Dusty Baker, like just keep him out there and let him keep throwing Mark Pryor, Carry Wood stuff there. That you can't. It's one thing if it's like I don't know. Who, who's like some crusty old guy who does Like, if it's a Zach Greinke no-hitter, like, let Zach Greinke just keep throwing. He'll, you know, if it's his last game ever, go for it. Like, who cares? But not for not for this kid. Like, I, I just feel like that's not great. Plus, um, if you were paying attention to Hunter Green earlier in the year, and I was a bit because I thought the velo was so remarkable, he's had some velocity issues. Like, where he would like he'd come out and throw 102 and then the next start he'd be sitting 98 and 98 usually sounds great until you think about the fact that he was sitting 102 five days ago. Like you don't want to lose four miles per hour on your fastball. So I feel like there's already been some red flags there. And I just, I, I didn't like, I I did not like that he threw that many pitches. Um, And I kind of
0: reminded me of the, when a Chapman was getting overused by Madden. And uh, Chapman had to uh, change the way he approached pitching and he had been a starter. So he did throw other pitches, but uh, he had to rely on those pitches. It kind of reminded me of the similar situation, but um, yeah, hopefully he's okay, but very interesting young pitcher. Anybody throws over a hundred that consistently is an interesting pitcher.
1: I agree. Uh, but AARP tour for the St. Louis Cardinals was on Sunday night baseball this week. And it is exactly as annoying as you thought it would be. I I only watched about an inning and a half of this game because frankly, the Cardinals were way ahead. They just, they got to Carlos Rodon and they did not let up. And it was, it was, this game was a foregone conclusion. Well, very early uh, into Sunday night baseball, but Look, listening to a supposedly neutral booth and all they can do is talk about, oh, Wayno and Yachty have been this great battery forever and Albert Pujols is, on. it's the last ride of Albert Pujols and blah, 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 blah. Like I get it. They're old. They're old and they're winning. And now we get to celebrate them all year long. I get it. Like I just, I couldn't, I had to turn it off.
0: Don't they know that everybody hates the Cardinals? Like I don't
1: think they do. Yeah, I don't think they, they do.
0: I mean cuz even in the people are kind of annoyed by Cub fans especially other NL Central fans because we are a bit insufferable since we won the World Series I agree but there's a charm to us that I think is undeniable whereas Cardinal fans like like all my Brewers fan friends my Pirate fan friends uh you know my Reds fan friend, they we could all agree screw the Cardinals we hate them like it's and so for them to like just be Lauding these guys, and they have had a pretty, ex- I mean, a laudable career. It's it's insufferable. I can't I can't watch it. When I saw that uh, Pujols pitched, even Giants fans I saw on Twitter were like, "Oh, I'm a Giants fan and I'm really into it." And I'm like, "Uh, <laughs> like I just wanted to throw up," you know. I
1: mean, I did say that was the greatest thing on the internet today, but. It was the greatest thing on the internet today because Pujols got knocked around a little bit. I think he gave up like four (laughs) runs, right? Two homers, a hit to Evan Longoria. Longoria, my favorite part of that is Longoria asking for the ball that he hit off Albert Pujols, right? So Longoria gets a single and has the peace of mind to be like, I want that ball. I want the ball that I hit off a first round (laughs) or first ballot Hall of Famer. I would like to display that over my mantle next to whatever other awards I have. (laughs)
0: I like that he's given up as many home runs as he's hit this year.
1: <laughs> I mean, the the meme for Cubs fans and, and this is absolutely on point. So I'm glad they did it was pointing out that Anthony Rizzo is a much better pitcher than Albert Pujols. Clearly. Oh
0: yeah. He struck out Freddie Freeman.
1: And has a zero ERA. Across
0: John multiple Baker
1: appearances.
0: And John Baker in 2014, not only, uh, got the win has a 0.00 ERA and got three outs and induced a double play. And he scored the winning run after walking. So yeah, if you want to talk about position players pitching, I don't want to hear it. Like there, where's, where's John Baker's hall of fame plaque.
1: Ben Zobra struck out Yadier Molina.
0: Oh, now that's a better, now that's my favorite. Pitching moment for a position player, anything involving the Cardinals being sad I'm for. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm annoyed by the whole thing, by the whole thing. I, and sometimes I get annoyed by position players pitching in a blowout, like just in general, even though it provides for some good moments, but when it was happening a lot, when, when the Cubs were just like every week throwing us Ben Zoberst out there to pitch just to save the bullpen. I was like, uh, this season's not going well. Like it was after it happens. It's like the novelty has worn off. Now we've seen it all so much that it just becomes, it's like, is this professional baseball anymore? I guess football does not when they throw the fourth stringer out or whatever, just to, because we're winning by so much or losing by so much, but it's just, Maybe I'm an old fuddy duddy, but it never used to happen when I was a kid unless things went terribly wrong. And when it went that wrong, you were ashamed. You were like, I can't believe we had the Keith Moreland pitch or whoever would come in and pitch, you know, I don't remember specific instances, but didn't happen a lot because it was embarrassing and you wouldn't want to do it. And now it's like, it's entertaining. You know, we're clown people, we're the Harlem Globetrotters.
1: I mean, I will say I'm going to disagree with this a tiny bit because I, I right, agree team. with I agree with you that the yeah it's not a good sign when Anthony Rizzo or Ben Zobrist is in the game to pitch like things have gone terribly wrong. That said, if you're one of the fans who stuck around till the eighth or ninth inning in a 15 run blowout, it's nice to be rewarded with something. And as a fan who has been that person before, like I I, I distinctly remember a game in 2017 or 2018 where the A's were playing the Cubs and the and I think Brett Anderson like our old friend Brett Anderson was starting and all I wanted the Cubs to do was like tee off against Brett Anderson and instead of teeing off against Brett Anderson Brett Anderson was like shutting down the Cubs and the Cubs were down like 9 nothing almost immediately mm-hmm. I was like this is awful and I stuck it out at that game and and I think I was rewarded by watching that might have been one of the that was definitely a game where there was a position player pitching. I can't remember if that was Anthony Rizzo's first appearance or what, but it's one of those where it's like I appearance. stuck it out. and <laughs> so now I'm here and and now I get to see this like quirky thing that I wouldn't have seen before. Now that said, I agree with you that it's not a good sign, and frankly, it means baseball has gone terribly astray. And if you're still in the park at that point, you are definitely a diehard fan.
0: Well, here's my other question about it too. Um is it in bad taste cuz the Cardinals won this game. So, they're saving their own bullpen in a massive blowout win whereas I think the way it's usually employed is like in the a reverse. And for so- sure.
1: Yeah. The Cardinals are violating all the unwritten rules. Although the Giants <laughs> said they don't believe in the unwritten rules. So I, I think you're yeah. allowed to do whatever you want against the Giants.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, I don't know. I just, if it leaves a bad taste in my mouth and anything the Cardinals do do, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. So I figure I should take everything I say about the Cardinals with a grain of salt. Cause I'm biased against them
1: does seem weird that we haven't seen the Cardinals yet. And it's like the middle of May.
0: Well, the people who make the schedule are total idiots. So I, I, I'm not surprised. I mean, they do such a terrible job and that's an off season topic for you and me, maybe about how bad MLB is at scheduling their season that, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that sometime.
1: Yeah, that's (laughs) definitely a good off season topic right now. Uh, we need to take a quick break for our sponsors, but stick around on the flip side. We have everything you need to know about this three game set between the Cubs and the Pirates starting at Wrigley Monday night. And we're back. All right, Danny. I mean, we were just talking about the fact that we haven't seen the Cardinals at all. It feels like we see the car, the Pirates every other day. This is the third series between the Cubs and the Pirates so far This season, they are headed back to Wrigley field. The last time the pirates are here, the Cubs had a historic offensive onslaught and managed to lose three of four games of a four game set. So it'll be interesting to see if the Cubs bats can come alive, you know, more consistently this time and do some damage against the pirates to do that. They're going to have to do some damage against our old pal TBD uh, and who is starting tonight, Monday night. And then JT Brubaker, who they've seen a couple of times before and Mitch Keller, uh, what do we think about these Pirates pitchers who the Cubs will face off against?
0: Well, Cubs do pretty well against the latter two pitchers, the brew Baker and uh, what's his name? Keller. Um, the Keller. Yeah, we do especially well against uh, Keller. Hap loves hitting off of Keller. I looked up Hap's numbers. He's just, he's batting like 700 or something. It's ridiculous. So um, yeah, he it, it's, the Pirates don't have good pitching. Their uh, bullpen is not that terrible. That's how they beat the Dodgers in a bullpen game uh, last week. And so I don't know who they're going to throw up there. They threw this guy Dylan Peters out there the last time against the Dodgers. He did well. So we'll see who we have. I, I, I kind of always hate when we have those games because then they like just mix and match against you the whole game. And if they get a lead, they can somehow protect it. So, uh, yeah, so that's what we're looking at. The, um, it, I looked up some of the pirates, uh, the stats that are against the Cubs. Like if you compare them like as a team and offensively, we're the same team, like just right next to each other in homers and OPS and stolen bases, like everything is the same. And so that. Should be interesting. We, we neither team has a lot of pop in there, so it's going to be hopefully some good games with a lot of action.
1: Yeah. It's funny that you bring up the offenses. Cause I was going to save this for a little bit later, but we can definitely nope. talk. Oh, it doesn't matter. Please. <laughs> we can definitely <laughs> talk about it now, I sort um, before each of these, I, I look at the leader leaderboard for team stats on fan graphs. I always sort it by WRC plus because WRC plus is a park adjusted and team adjusted um, stats. So you can compare offenses more consistently that way. The Cubs are 21st in WRC plus and MLB right now with a WRC plus of 92. The Pirates are right behind them, 22nd with a WRC plus of 90. And then if you think about this in terms of slash lines, I mean, the similarities are really, it's just kind of stunning. The Cubs are slashing 232, 309, 361 as a team. The Pirates are slashing 228, 300, 355 as a team. Uh, They both walk at strikingly similar amounts of the time. The Cubs walk 8.9% of the time. The Pirates walk 9.2% of the time. And then this is the last one I'll do, but they both strike out about the same amount of the time. The Cubs strike out 24.6% of the time. The Pirates strike out 24.1% of the time. So these are remarkably similar offenses.
0: Yeah. Which isn't a good thing. (laughs) Just so y'all. Oh, they're not good.
1: They're just similar.
0: (laughs) Yeah. They're just similar. So they could be good games. Our pitching is better, though, especially our bullpen is better than their bullpen. So, I I like our chances in this series overall, based upon that fact.
1: You're forgetting that the back end of the good Pirates bullpen has absolutely shut this Cubs team down so far.
0: Sure, but you got to be if if you're losing, so you just can't be losing at the end of the game, so that they bring out their big guns and shut you down.
1: Big guns. David yeah well, Bednar.
0: <laughs> yeah well he certainly carves up us up pretty good Cubs are two and four versus Pittsburgh so I'm will not gonna Crow? Sleep on oh no yeah. Will Crow Watch out. Here he comes.
1: no but seriously yeah, well. they, the Cubs have done nothing against the good Pirates bullpen you gotta have a lead going into the fifth or sixth inning if, if you want the Cubs to have a shot in these games the Cubs will be rolling out Wade Miley again I I mean all all I'm gonna say about Wade Miley is what I said last time after his first start, like, I'm glad he's here. The Cubs certainly need an arm that can throw more starting innings and like actually get the game to like the sixth inning or so. He's going to have to throw some strikes. Like he's going to have to actually throw pitches that the guys swing at and offer at. And I am hoping he throws more strikes that are not hit hard uh, this time than he did in San Diego.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing is he, he didn't have that out pitch going. And yeah, so, yeah. and he couldn't get the third out. It was the same issue in two ways. So, ends up walking five in his last start. And I don't know. I just, I smell a Tyler Chatwood and it's not good. Um, and we need him to be good so we can trade him, which <laughs> I mean, I, I feel that way about all these guys right now, especially anybody that you're like, oh, here's a guy that has a track record. If he can get it going. Somebody would take. Who doesn't need pitch and help? Who's going into the playoffs? Now, according to Rick Sutcliffe, we should be trading away all our young studs out of single A and adding to this. Now that Byley's back, we'll be, you know, firing on all cylinders. And you just wait until David Bodie hits the hits the links, and then we're we're right back there, baby. Dude, but uh...
1: Rick Sutcliffe, I love Rick Sutcliffe. I love listening to him on these game calls. I I just have to say like every time he comes up with something like that and or overreacts to Ildemaro Vargas misplaying a ball which he really does react to it's like it's Ildemaro Vargas he's like the fourth string shortstop of course he's going to misplay some balls so is over there like ripping his heart out because <laughs> Ildemaro Vargas misplayed a ball I it reminds me of two things one uh, I'm glad he was calling those games with Pat Hughes cuz Pat Hughes has a lot of practice dealing with a homer in the booth. Like Pat Hughes was with Ron Santo for how long? I feel like Pat was the perfect person to be calling games with Sut. Um, But the second thing is just, I love this. I think it's great. I think every broadcast crew should have a homer who calls the game exactly like fans on the couch. And I really feel like this might be a generational thing. Like if you are a Cubs fan who grew up listening to Harry Carey and you knew how much of a Homer Harry Carey was, or you knew how much of a Homer Ron Santo was. This is a throwback. This is like going back in time to listen to some of the guys you loved, who helped you fall in love with the Cubs call a game of baseball. And the younger generation is just not having it. The the kids who grew up with like Len Casper are appalled. And I'm like, y'all just don't know what you missed.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, who's that old guy that's on the Cardinals broadcast? He's unlistenable. Um, gosh, who is it?
1: I try not to listen to the Cardinals broadcast. Oh, I know.
0: I've heard it before, but it, like it's the same thing. as like my Cardinals – I think he might have retired now. But um, my Cardinals fan friends just love this guy, and he's terrible. Is it Mike Sh- – it's Mike Shannon. That's what his name is. Yeah, Yeah, like, and he's just—he's. I think he's actually been drunk. Like, he got in trouble one time for being drunk. He—he's—he's probably said many cancelable things because he's been on there since the seventies. So I'm sure he's—you could go back in the archives and cancel him. But, um, this guy, uh, you know, the Cardinals fans love him. He's a legend, and why? Because he loves watching the Cardinals, and he lives and dies by what they do. And so that's what you want to hear, because. You want to identify with who you're listening to. You want to feel like you're with your buddies and you're having a beer, just like Sut, who sounds like he actually is drinking beer while he's talking to you. My one fear is kind of what I just said: is that he's gonna screw it up. He's gonna pull. He's gonna pull a Brenly. He's gonna. He's gonna pull a uh, what's his name in Cincinnati with his uh, Brennaman. Cast- you with this Castellanos four nothing ball game. And like, you know, cause he's rough around the edges, but that's also what you like about it. So, um, I, I mean, yeah. I like
1: it. I, the other day uh, during one of the fifth innings that was being called by Zach Zademan and Ron Coomer. So I was walking around the neighborhood. I actually switched to the Brewers uh, broadcast. Cause that's the inning that Bob Uecker calls. And I, I like listening to Bob Uecker. Like he's a Homer. He's, fu- he's hysterical. He understands baseball. He's great to listen to. And, you know, there are very few guys who can pull off the I'm a homer for another team that is a Cubs rival that I actually want to listen to. But Yuke is that guy. And I don't know. I like listening to Sup for the same reason. I understand that it's not everyone's cup of tea. I love it.
0: Yeah, I love it, too. And so it could be generational. I I saw we do a a game thread on the Sunranto Ranters Facebook page. And uh, I saw very few people not like it.
1: Yeah. Most of the complaints I saw were on Twitter and they were all like younger millennials, Gen Z type people who just, I I think have never heard a Homer call a Cubs game. Right. Like I think they missed the Santo years and they missed the Harry Carey years. And so for them, they hear that and they think it's kind of like Hawk Harrelson calling White Sox games or like, you know, all the guys they find annoying calling t- games for other teams. And I'm like, I kind of love this. Like I, I listened to a lot of Red Sox games that were called by Jerry Remy, Jerry Remy oh, lived great. and died with yeah. everything. The Red Sox did just the great, great voice of the Red Sox. Right. And I, another I love another great like example.
0: That. Yeah. Yeah. Another great example. And even though I can't stand Hawk Harrelson, I can see why Sox fans like him. Right. So, uh, and and um, yeah, I I agree. You just you need that guy who's going to live and die with the team, who's going to get excited like Ron Santo when when he was calling the games like in two thousand seven and eight when the, those teams were on the march. I mean, I would walk around in the at night in New York City, walking my dogs in the summer, and just I wouldn't have any idea what was going on in the game. It was just Ron Santo screaming, and then the, <laughs> eventually. Pat Hughes had come in and kind of let fill us all in what was happening, but you couldn't tell if it was a scream of joy or anguish or if the guy hit a double or was laying on the warning track injured. Like it all had just, just emotion and gut wrenching or, or when uh, Brant Brown dropped the ball, that's a pretty famous Santo moment, you know Um, but just the antics of it. And they forget that it's entertaining too. And, you know, Sutcliffe knows enough about the modern game and he still will do a little bit that, at, of that old school. Back in my day, we used to bunt and bunting was part of the game and, you know, nobody cared about your hard hit rate. All you cared about was hitting the ball hard and, you know, <laughs> stupid things that he would say, you know, like, but I enjoy it because quite frankly, look at uh, Frank Schwindel's hard hit rate. He hit, the, he poked, he hit a. Ball to the warning track, and it was an out in a glove that could have been a grand slam. And then yesterday, you won the game by poking a ball at 62 miles per hour over the first baseman's head. So you know what? Sut's so right. It it, it matters w- whether you win the game or not and whether you do the right things in certain situations in baseball. And, uh, and I feel like there's a, a good, especially for those of, I, I don't know, I feel like they've almost given up on. Well, they forget that Gen X even exists as a generation. Usually, oh, yeah. but I and I don't know if they've they've given up on us, but they just maybe take us for granted as a situation. But he's perfect in the wheelhouse for a guy like me who was ten years old in 1984. The Red Baron comes over from Cleveland, and now all of a sudden we got a team, and that was a magical summer for me that really indelibly imprinted the Cubs on my heart. So to have, to be listening to Sut, man, it it works for me real well. So probably a little too well.
1: <laughs> I think it works for a lot of people. And I, the last thing I'm going to say about this, I think that Marquis has done a nice job of mixing things up. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I'm glad JD will be back on the, in the booth for the homestand. Like I love listening to JD. JD is hysterical. He's, he's a really, really good color analyst. And I'm are lucky that the Cubs have him. I like listening to Boog. I know you and I disagree on that. I think that Boog is a nice mix of like younger generation and sneakers and sats and like kind of goofy and whatnot. But I also love that, you know, they've set up that pre and post game show with Cole, right? And with the different players who come in and out to chat with him. And, and it's very much a hype show, right? Like you got Carlos Pena yelling placata and you got like, all of the guys in there, Cliff Floyd comes in there and he does his he does his thing where he's just so smooth. Like everything that dude talks about is smooth. Um, and and you know, they're hype men. We're at the federal landmark, the cubs are gonna win, like, you know, they're hype men. But Sut is a fan. He's not a hype man, he's not an yeah. analyst, he doesn't know stats. He is a fan of baseball and he's a gamer, and he talks about the game like a fan of baseball. And the Cubs were missing that guy on their team. And I'm glad Rick Sutcliffe is there to fill that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. I totally agree. So and you, you can have it all. And I think you do have, you know, I don't know. I'm curious to see if they were having, I don't know where Jim is and hopefully he's okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I do enjoy Jim. Jim and Len had a nice uh, rapport. I don't know that that's transferred to Boog at people just thinking. And that's the thing that kind of bothers me about what Marquis doing is that they are switching it around too much. And what they don't understand, and I think they're getting wrong, is that you got people want their guys, and they want them to be the guys for a long time. You can't just plug in this person, plug in that person, plug in the next person, because, like, Zach Zaidman on the radio is not the same as listening to Pat Hughes. It does matter. If I'm listening... Like I don't know, maybe Beth Moans and Rick Sutcliffe make a good team. Maybe Beth Moans is great, better with Doug Glanville, but it doesn't matter. That's all fill-in stuff. I want, and I understand people have their schedules, and you can't—not everybody can do every day, and you, people have emergencies that come up and life events. But you got to understand that we want. I mean, when Harry Carey wasn't in the booth, you didn't watch it. You know, like. He was always in there, and then it was not good otherwise. Steve Stone, Harry and Steve were incredible.
1: Beth Moens and Jim Deshays have a real good rapport together. The two of them really – like I could listen to the two of them talk about baseball all day long, and I'd be very happy about it. I doubt that they'll be able to – I mean, maybe, but I I don't think Beth is ever going to be like a full-time voice – For the Cubs she does too many other things like she is the voice of women's softball like she is if you watch the women's softball world series like she's the voice you hear doing it she's a lot of stuff like internationally so she'll call softball for the Olympics she'll call those types of games like she's you know she gets to do some things that are so cool that I almost feel like you know being the full-time play-by-play person for the Cubs wouldn't wouldn't work for her and then with Boog you have the problem well it's not a problem per se but Boog, you know, does the ESPN call every Sunday, which means on the radio with Doug Glanville. And so that means that he's every Sunday and most Saturdays, Boog is out of the booth. So you need somebody else to fill in there during those times. I think that Pat Hughes has been a really interesting voice on TV. I I mean, Pat Hughes is a legend. He's just great. So it's not shocking to me that he's done such a good job there, but it's been, I was pleasantly surprised. I was worried that there might be some Differences between the medium that would make him not quite as good to listen to on TV as the radio. And, and he's just excellent no matter where you put him. Um, well, he yeah. did
0: the same thing because I was working while this game was on and I had the it on, but I had it on in the background. So I do that all the time with Pat Hughes on the radio. So I just did it on the TV and then something would happen. And then I'd look over and see what was happening in the game because there's, you know, it's baseball. There's not like constant action, you know what I mean? So it's, uh, it was kind of the same and it worked out fine. And the thing I love about it is Pat Hughes is paying attention to the game and he's telling you what's going on. If I was a blind person, and I was listening to the regular Cubs broadcast on Marquee. I don't think I would have any idea what was going on. All of a sudden there'd be two outs and, and Boog and still be could talk about sneakers. <laughs> so, and, and, and a guy he met once that I've never heard of, or, you know, or one time that he was in new Orleans or, or anything, just anything but the game is what you hear about there. Or like, you know, some dumb stat that doesn't matter. Or like, you know, that's what I'm saying is Pat Hughes is invested in the game. Some of and, us like uh, those
1: dumb stats, Danny. Well,
0: oh. I know. And I'm saying there's places for all of it. It's just like, I don't want it all game. So I would rather listen to Pat Hughes as just telling me what's going on in the game Uh, Along with Rick Sutcliffe. Now I want Rick Sutcliffe's dumb stories and Pat Hughes tell me what's going on in the game. And Rick Sutcliffe's, you know, unabashed fandom. It's just it's in his preference. I mean, I could see why a younger person who likes watching math on TV, would, <laughs> why they would like it. Sorry, I'm just going to go on. A, I <laughs> like know this is not the Sun show.
1: On TV. No, what's funny about that is actually, so I did not watch the Apple TV broadcast because um, I'm not going to do that. Like I refuse. But I saw screenshots from people and they had they had a stat. So they've got like, you know, the line and it says, you know, average on base percentage, whatever. And then they have a stat off in the corner that is called the reach-based probability. And I'm like, okay, if you're going to do this and have on-base percentage and reach-based probability up at the same time, and they are different numbers, I think you are obligated to explain to people what is going on there in terms of like what those numbers are. And so I asked some people on Twitter, hey, what are these numbers? Did the broadcast explain them? And as far as I can tell, a handful of dudes took great pride in being able to explain to me what they thought reach-based probability was Congratulations. I could have guessed those same things too, but nobody actually knew what they were. Cause I don't think the broadcast ever explained it. They just kind of figured you would figure out that reach base probability changed based on the situation and on base percentage didn't. And they were talking about other things. And I think that is a broad, that's broadcast malpractice. Like if you have two stats that look like they should be basically the same and you're not understand. explaining why they're different. Like that, you can't do that, like you, or you shouldn't do that. I guess you can do it, but it seems like a bad broadcast
0: practice. Well, you can look it up in the splits. You know, OBP will change depending on if you're an 0-1 count or an 0-2 count, or two outs, one out, whatever it be. the sixth inning versus first inning, you know, all that stuff will will be baked in the cake but you're getting into some pretty minuscule small sample size numbers that I don't know if are very predictive so just right. telling me the math if you're interested in math and you're like oh that's a weird stat well I'm only interested if it like is somewhat predictive in what you think might happen and may and I think the more that these things are coming in it's because this is guess what what the odds makers it's are all looking gambling. at and it's, all yeah, it's all yeah and so they would love to uh Apple TV. Where does it mostly exist? On your phone, on your iPad, on your uh, smart TV. Well, guess what? You can bake into those apps a way to gamble right in the app.
1: Well, and, and they then- want they want you sitting at the DraftKings sports book watching the game with the reach base probability, and you place a prop bet on whether or not Frank Schwindel is going to reach base in the fourth inning, and now you've lost thirty dollars on nothing. Like I. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly what it is. Those are all gambling it's, stats. But you, it's
0: it's called a shell game, and you can go. used to be able to go to Times Square and play it, <laughs> and, <laughs> and you would lose your money every time because you always thought the ball was definitely under that shell. <laughs> so,
1: always. Uh, yeah. We should get back to this Pirates matchup. Oh, We've yeah. been talking that's about right. other stuff for a while. We've only got a few we minutes have. of this show left. But uh, after Wade Miley, the Cubs have TBD listed. I've heard rumors that Marcus Stroman, if he is well enough to pitch, may take that starts So hopefully that turns into Marcus Stroman. If it doesn't, it's likely another bullpen game. And then drew Smiley again. I mean, if the Cubs can get drew Smiley four or five runs that he can probably at least get a no decision, but we'll see what happens with that game. Anything you want to add about Stroman coming back or drew Smiley?
0: Well, I just hope he's, it's, I hope Stroman does come back because COVID uh, is pretty serious. My sister's caught a bad case recently And, uh, I know it's been going around a lot. I know, you know, that for a fact, and it's just been, it's, it's been rough out there and people that you just don't know, like we don't, we don't know enough about like why people get bad cases and why people get mild cases and, uh, people with long COVID. So, I mean, it's, it's a big deal. So if he doesn't come back, you wonder what's going on because it's been, he's would have then missed two starts.
1: I mean, two starts would be about ten days, so that doesn't make me too nervous. A third start would definitely make me really nervous. I'm hoping that he he's just back and better though. The case that I had, I I mean, I was triple vaccinated. I was super minor, um, you know, kind of ran its course over about five to ten days, and then I was better and I was testing negative and I feel fine now. um, But I I'm still a little tired. I think that could be just life though.
0: and, and well, and that's the thing too, is cause my, that's my sister's thing as well is that, uh, she's a teacher and she was supposed to have to go back to the class today and teach six classes to Mondays are her heaviest day. And, uh, she, I was talking to her yesterday. She's like, I, it, I tested negative, which test that does with means that I got to go back because that's the rule that we have at the school. She's like, I can't keep my eyes open. I am so exhausted. I'm just like, I'm going to try to sleep today. And I'm like, Hey, if you need another day, like a negative test doesn't mean you feel good. So that's what you worry worry about. Marcus Stroman is that not only did he not catch a a tough case, but that it doesn't linger on him in any kind of energy way, because (laughs) you're going to need your energy out there. And it to perform at this high of a level, especially as a pitcher, like it's not like you're just gonna go stand out left field and hope the ball doesn't get hit to you for an afternoon. It's your your showtime, you're the stro show. And if you can't be on, I don't know that you can start. Um, yeah, and what does that push you back a, a little bit? So yeah, let's just all wish <laughs> wish him the best. And yeah, get get smiley some runs. With Miley, don't walk anybody, Stroman, get better, and Smiley uh it, you know, get buy your offense some uh some Red Bulls before the, the game or something like come okay. in with a case of Red Bull and uh try to get your offense going.
1: Get the get these guys some runs. Uh the Pirates have some hot hitters and one of them is exactly who you think they are. Ben Gamel over the last few weeks Ugh. has a WRC plus in the one forties. Uh Cabrian Hayes has also been super hot and so has Roberto Perez. Uh dude, Ben Gamel, man, like every <laughs> He is such a Cubs killer. It drives me absolutely bonkers. i mean, he's coming into Wrigley hot. So keep an eye on yeah. that
0: dude. Dan Vogelback too. Uh two homers in the last week. Uh and ex-Cub Daniel Vogelback. Although he never played a game really. with the Cubs. Yeah. Uh, did no, did he ever actually play for the Cubs or he was just like the guy blocked by Rizzo?
1: I think he was the guy blocked by Schwarber. Like you couldn't have two dead. Dan- <laughs> like, <he> <laughs> like he was kind of blocked by Rizzo, but like really the comp was Schwarber. Like you could not have both of those dudes on your team at the same time.
0: I think he used to try to meet girls that way. He would go out to bars and be like, Hey, I'm Kyle Schwarber.
1: <laughs> <Just> like- <laughs> uh, let's talk about the Cubs offense. That does not include Daniel Vogelbach or Kyle Schwarber for that matter. Uh, the hottest hitters on the, This team have been Alfonso Rivas has stayed hot. His WRC plus is at 134. Wilson Contreras still super hot after that great road trip. Um, He has a WRC plus of 131. And then Ian Happ and Patrick Wisdom. These are all within the last three, three and a half weeks, by the way. I'm not running season-wide numbers anymore, running uh, recent numbers. Um, But Ian Happ and Patrick Wisdom both uh, have a WRC plus of 121. They have stayed hot as well. Um, Anybody else you want to talk about on the Cubs back side?
0: Well, I will talk about Patrick Wisdom. He's leading the team in homers. So you're going to take that as you got to have some guy leading it. And it's no surprise that it's Patrick Wisdom. It hit the most last year too. the strikeouts, though. Oh, I mean, 50 strikeouts and 107 at bats. I mean, that is the thing that becomes unplayable at a point. I saw in this last series, and it was against a very good pitcher, Gallon. But, I mean, he's taking those really bad kind of – he's just getting fooled swings. And uh, so it's just something to watch for. As long as his average stays at 224, you're going to be okay. But the 282 OBP is what I don't like. And could the guy, like, grow an eye because uh, the, the walks – he's taken eight walks to 50 strikeouts this year. So that's, that's kind of who I'm watching because I don't know what their future plans for Patrick wisdom are. Is it just going to use them up and then get somebody to replace them with and just DFA them at some point? I don't know what it is, but like, that is a valuable power bat, but you got to cut down on the strikeouts. That's I'm wondering like what they're doing to do that. Like,
1: yeah, I'm with you on that. I Patrick Wisdom's strikeout rate is currently 42.7%. I find really? that he is most effective when he gets that number under 40%. That That's usually – I mean, God, I'd love him to strike out only 35% of the time, but that just seems like it's never going to happen. But when he's striking out, even like 38% of the time, he's got enough power that he's usually getting doubles, he's getting home runs, he's being a productive – member of the squad and don't forget he has a really good go- good glove like i would rather see patrick wisdom at third base than pretty much anybody else on this team including a healthy david Bodie when he comes back and yeah. uh, longtime listeners of this show know that i'm a big fan of david Bodie's defense too but i think that patrick wisdom has a plus glove a plus arm and a ton of power and if he could just strike out like Five percent less.
0: less. <laughs> yeah, that's just. I mean, I I made I had made a note of it as that I just want to see him strike out less. I just it's got a at least it's not a fifty percent, but you know he goes through those moments where he'll strike out twenty times in a week. I mean, it's insane, and so I'm just hoping he can straighten that out. And um, yeah, but I you know I, I like what I'm seeing. I, I this is a fun when this offense clicks like it did this week. Uh, they can be f- a fun team to watch because they're scoring a lot of runs with some action with uh, not, not, they're not doing it with home runs. They're doing it with the power and they're scrapping them out. And that's more fun to watch dudes run around the base than just trot around the base slowly.
1: Yeah. If the Cubs offense ca- gets it together this week, we will be talking about it all over on social media. Uh, Danny, where can people find you if Patrick wisdom manages to strike out a little bit less?
0: Uh Well, I will be on uh, Twitter uh, at SunRanto if I don't get thrown in Twitter jail again like I did yesterday for making fun of Bill Maher. But um, yeah, I'll be I'll be on SunRanto on Twitter. I'll be tweeting all, all these games. I'll be at the game tomorrow night if you want to come say hi. I don't know where I'm sitting, but I'll be out there. So just tweet at me and uh, buy me a beer. I'm always happy when people do that.
1: Awesome. Uh, If you want to buy Danny a beer, find him on Twitter and then figure out where he's at at the ballpark tomorrow night. Uh, If you want to find me, I am at BCB underscore Sarah. I think I'm going to go to Thursday night's game, which is the start of the Diamondbacks series, and it might be the next Kyle Hendricks start. So I'm looking forward to that one. If anything interesting happens prior to that, though, you can find my takes on my Twitter account or on the podcast Twitter account at Cup of Cubby Blue. Wherever you are listening to the show, be sure you subscribe and leave us some five-star reviews so other people can find the show as well. Until next time.